Hello, I am Tali Miles Pierce. I am a mindset coach and mentor, and I'm on a mission to bring more realness to the world. On the Miles Ahead podcast, we are sharing our stories so that you can let go of your past and go and live your dream life. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am just plugging in here with a bit of an update because this episode was actually filmed six weeks ago and we're, we're currently like, yeah, four to six weeks ahead of all of the episodes. Um, the reason being because I really wanted to just be intentional and grounded about the way I created and delivered this podcast. It's so important to me that I'm actually here creating impact and, and not doing it for, I guess, any internal gain. Um, it's more so to really give you guys value. So I wanted to make sure that I was doing that and, and therefore I really took my time in the creation process before I even released this podcast. So I am now speaking two days out of the release of this podcast, but I've obviously launched the, the trailer, episode one, episode two, and I say launched, but released, same, same. Um, and I honestly just wanted to come on here and hand on heart right now, say thank you so much to everyone who has listened, everyone who is listening, who is staying up to date and giving me feedback as well. It's truly just been incredible. And I know, I know that this podcast will change lives and hearing the feedback that I have so far, it's really yeah, it's really just touched me and I don't quite have the words for it, but this is big. So thank you for being here and thank you for, yeah, just supporting me, supporting me in my evolution and the growth of this podcast and the brand that is miles ahead. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that the quality of this podcast, the sound quality rather, probably isn't the best. Bear with me. I am learning. I'm evolving. And recently I got swooped by a magpie, which happened to end up with my Beats headphones broken. So bit technic technically challenged <laughs> right now. Um, but if the intro went in one ear and out the other, this is your reminder to please support the podcast in whatever way feels good for you, whether that is reviewing, liking, subscribing, um, sharing. That's a big one as well. Obviously, we all know the power of social media. The more that this podcast grows, the more I can keep reinvesting and we really need some headphones right now. So <laughs> I'm just asking you all for that support. I have two more little updates. So the first one is that I have actually created a expression of interest form. If you would like to be on the podcast, if you desire a platform to actually share your story and give value to the world, I guarantee more people need to hear your story. And this is obviously the perfect space for it. So you can find that link on my website, www.themilesaheadpodcast.com. Update number two. Now, I cannot remember for the life of me if I have shared this or not. And it's kind of big. So if you know, you know, I'm actually going to remain elusive for now if I haven't shared it. But there is a new product in the works um, and that is all I'm going to say for now. But the best way to support that 
is to purchase a hoodie or if you have a hoodie, share and tag us on your stories. Thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, hello. Let me just get comfy. Okay. Hi and welcome. Welcome everyone back to the Miles Ahead podcast. We are here today with Chloe and I'm just honestly so excited. We've been chatting before this and the... (laughs) I want to say juice, but the story that you're going to hear from Chloe is probably unlike anything you've heard before. And as you know, we are very real and raw in this podcast. So I'm excited to to just hear what's going to come up. Um, Chloe is just a fucking powerhouse. Like, honestly, she is. And let's start with where you are now. So Chloe is in the coaching world. She has actually just launched this week. She also got her period this week. <laughs> like, Chloe's just fucking thriving this week and honestly in general. Um, but the reason why we have you on today is to talk to your story growing up and what you experienced. I'm just going to put a little trigger warning here. We do speak to domestic violence. So if that is something that you are currently navigating, then just use your discernment as to whether or not you want to stay plugged in. Um, but yeah, take it away. Take it away. Hello guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited because, um, like obviously for anybody who does know me, um, I have a podcast, but I'm really excited to be a guest, Mm. um, rather than a host, because I think it allows me to show another side of vulnerability that I'm not used to because yes. Okay. I've, you know, done podcasts before on talking, sharing my Mm. story, sharing bits and pieces, but it's a little bit different when, you feel as though you're also the host and you're trying to hold um, a conversation and hold questions. And um, I've always tried to prepare for what I'm going to say, whereas now I just have the ability to have mm. a really calm conversation and just see what comes up for me. So I'm really excited to be able to share this with you guys. And I hope that um, it's very vulnerable. And mm. basically the message that I want to get a- across to you guys um, on the Miles Ahead podcast is that regardless of what you have gone through and what has happened in your past or whatever has previously happened to you or for you, it does not need to dictate where you are in your life and where you are going in the future. Um, You have the complete capacity and ability to change the narrative, rewrite the narrative, rewrite your story and really show up as exactly who you want to be um, and, you know, give yourself everything that you deserve regardless of how you've been treated or what may have happened to you previously. Yeah. yeah, I just fucking love this. And I was actually reflecting this morning and you would have seen I shared a little bit on my Instagram where it's so easy to get caught up in your past and to over-identify and let that define how you go about your future. Yeah. But as soon as you actually let that go and use it to actually strengthen who you are and actually like transmute that energy into something way more powerful like that's where the magic happens absolutely and that's what I'm seeing with you I feel like that's just like your thing is actually just like I I used to have a program called struggle to strength Mm -hmm. but like that's what it is it is it 100% (laughs) is it's it's the beauty that comes within the struggle I Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. um and something I said before um on our podcast as well is that um okay you're your past doesn't have to be part of your personality trait. It doesn't mm. have to be. But for me, it actually is. 
and I highlight it as a personality mm. trait for me purely because that's where I find me really holding myself in my truer self and that's where I'm most proud of myself so I'm most mm. proud of myself because what I've gone through I am who I am because what I've gone through I am the person I am because what I've gone through I've shown up through all sorts of situations to actually make me who I am and I'm proud that that's my personality trait mm. you know yeah. and I don't look at that as a negative thing as a poor mm. me I look at that as holy fuck I'm so strong I'm yeah. so good at what I've done and yeah. I do like to take that on as a personality trait. Mm. And now I carry that through my work. So when I work with um, my one-on-one clients, when I work, you know, in any type of scenario, mm. even my coach at F45, even what I take into there, like I just take strength everywhere I go mm. and that is part of me now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's just the energy of rather than letting it hold you back, you're actually, it's propelling you forward. Yeah, it's, it is my power. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay, cool. Let's get into it. Let's start wherever you want to start. If you want to start by setting the scene like we spoke to, like Mm -hmm. actually of just where you are now, what you're doing. I forgot to mention the podcast bit, but that's also like, that's probably where we kind of connected was I've been listening to your podcast Mm -hmm. and and Jazz's as well. So like, I feel like that's kind of where it started our connection. Yeah. Um, But yeah, take it away. Okay, I'll paint a little bit of a picture. I want to paint a picture for what my life looks like now Mm. before I go into what it looked like previously. So my life right now, um, I live on the Gold Coast. It's absolutely amazing. I fucking love my life. I am literally like living out my dream pretty much. I live in a big, beautiful house. We live on the water. I live with my friends that I never thought I was going to have. I work in the fitness industry, which I also didn't think was possible for me. I'm now working for myself. I'm running my own business. I'm doing all sorts of things. I have a podcast with my other best friend, Jazz. Um, and I've really just given myself everything that I ever wanted, to be honest. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Um, You're literally doing it all. Yeah, <laughs> I am doing it all. It's, and it's a lot. But like in the best way. Though. Yeah. Yep. It's like stuff that's lighting you up. You yeah, know? it's everything that I want mm. to do. Mm. Um, and to highlight, I also live up here uh, completely by myself in terms of no friends from home, no family. Um, I quite literally moved here with me and my dog in a car with one of my friends who now has gone home. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I've done all of this and I live this way by myself Mm. pretty much, you know. Like, I have all of my support systems and everybody around me, but all of it has come from just doing it on my own because I refuse to let anything or anyone else Mm. hold me back. Do you know what's so cool? Like, just for context for those listening, like, we don't actually know each other that well. Mm. And, like, I'm already just learning so much about you right now. And I'm like, mm. wow, we're so similar. Like, <laughs> I can see why yeah. we are here. So that's really cool. Like, cool. I can I can relate to that 100%. Yeah. No family up here, no friends. Like, I knew one person because mm. I actually went to school here when I was younger. Oh, wow. Yeah, so random. Yeah. But, like, I knew one person from school, but we're not even – you know, like we're yeah, not really yeah, it's friends. just like a, yeah. <laughs> I have them on social media. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's what my life was like now. Yeah. I'm happy as fuck. I am living the dream. I have everything that I thought I would never have and yeah. didn't think I was going to get. However, growing up, I've gone through probably, like quite literally my whole life. So I'm 22 now and this started when I was about five. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until from – about five till now, I've pretty much gone through an absolute battle um, between 
family violence, um, being abused and hurt by my dad, other family members, and being failed through the court systems, all sorts through school, um, mum and dad divorce type scenario, um, and then sort of like mental health mm. leading out of that, which I think you can all kind of imagine, you know, if you've gone through child, child abuse or you've been abused as a child and have a lot of PTSD or trauma-related issues, you're not necessarily going to come out of that unscarred mentally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, so taking it all the way back, <laughs> it's really hard to go back. And to yeah. be fair, I have a lot of lost memory yeah. um, due to um, all types of abuse and scenarios. I actually have a lot of lost memory. Something that probably can be re-triggered, but I'm not capable of re-triggering it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah. all sorts of therapy that I would like to go into and like to do. Um, however, financially, I haven't been able to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like a lot more re-triggered, but yeah, I'm not capable of doing that. So if there's little gaps, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. But basically, um, so when I was little, my mom and dad were together and it was a, like the dream family, perfect scenario, very wealthy, very well off, happy mom, dad, had a little sister um, and yeah, lived in a big, beautiful house. Family holidays were absolutely insane. We had a holiday house at the snow. So even when I was in primary school and stuff, I didn't even go to school during winter. I just lived up there and just snowboarded for like three months and like as like a five-year-old kid. Like it was epic. Had all the toys. We had boats. Like like literally what you picture those little kids and you're like, oh, fuck, they spoiled rotten, got everything. I get it. I was that. Literally, I had that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) that's where I was at. I was thriving, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a little kid, you don't think you're privileged and you don't think that you're spoiled. Mm -hmm. Like. That's just normal for you. And I think that it's also really important now. Like, for now, I look at kids like that and I never think, oh, they're spoiled rotten or Mm. I'm like, fuck, yeah, they live a cool life as a kid. Yeah. But, like, it's not their fault. (laughs) It's not, like, a 10-year-old kid's fault that he's got all the toys and got the boats and, like, it's not their fault. (laughs) They didn't do that. They didn't work for that. Like, their parents gave them that. Like, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, I had that when I was little. Um, And then my sister was born and pretty much as soon as my sister was born um, is when I remember a bit of a switch happening in my lifestyle. So, so how old were you then? I would say that I was about uh, – I was I would have been three when my sister was born, but mm. um, we had a couple of years when she was little uh, where not – I don't remember much, but mm. from what I do know from mum, there was a lot of – not a lot of violence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It happened more or less when she got to about the age of three. So I like to say that I was like five, six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like scientifically, I think that's when you actually have more of a memory as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, there's years like zero to five or something like that where you don't actually remember anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, well, there yeah. you go. That's <laughs> um, yeah. So then um, my sister was born and as soon as my sister was born, uh, yeah, the dynamic in the household changed. So my dad became very, very violent um, towards more so my mum. Mm-hmm. And then once my sister got older and she got to, she was about five or so, I remember it all being taken out on her. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically my dad was very narcissistic. And if anyone who doesn't know what a narcissist is, 
I was basically somebody who's very manipulative and very much so violent, but cares about their appearance and how they look on the outside. And they're a completely different person behind closed doors. There's a lot of, um, yeah. you know, ways that you can explain it, but that's it very vaguely. Manipulative. Very, manipulative like, is like, oh, mm. and controlling. Mm. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so he became very narcissistic. So, and when you're dealing with a narcissist, it's very common that what they do is they put, if it's children, they put one children on a pedestal mm. and basically, and they're like the golden child. Mm. They can never do anything wrong. They're the good child. They, um, you know, they kind of get everything. They don't really cop any floggings. And then there's the other one that they treat like dirt mm. and they're like absolutely worthless to them. They don't like, don't care for them whatsoever. And in terms of violence and child abuse, they usually cop the brunt of the physical side of things. Mm. So um, I, well, fortunately but not, was the child that was put on the pedestal and my sister was the one who was treated uh, more poorly than I was physically. Yeah, I was going to say, would you say, so like you copped it emotionally but your sister would have copped it physically? Physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's all sorts that comes with that as well because, okay, so, okay, we've both gone through like the mental side of things. Both of us are watching dad try and kill mom in the like kitchen and yeah. then there's days where dad's trying to kill me and they're watching that happen and then there's days where he's trying to kill my sister and we're watching that happen mm-hmm. you you all go through the mental um, motions of it and you all get the physical motions of it but as a majority it was my sister got hurt I was the one fighting mm-hmm. all the time yeah um so I more or less now struggle with the fact that I I was so worthless and so not that I was worthless, but I felt worthless and I felt useless and I felt incapable of helping in that scenario. Um, yeah, and so, were you ever, like, I'm just going to assume but also ask you, like, mm-hmm. were you ever, like, told things like that as well? Like, you're worthless? Like, I don't remember. Or things that, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> Look, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way we would, it was more or less a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um he was very, very physically violent. So um, then that progressed all, all throughout my childhood. So, And I didn't know that this was not okay. Mm. So I'd been brought up with this my whole life and never knew anything outside of that or anything different. So, like, when I would go to school and stuff, I just thought that, like, everyone's dad was awful. Mm. And, like, everyone's dad, like, that's just men. That's fucking wild. Yeah, and, like, I just thought everyone's dad bashed him up like mm. it truly I just thought that was normal um which is so wrong now obviously do you think, like your friends and stuff did you ever talk about that no, I don't remember ever talking about it I have always always been one that's just like I'm fine mm. I'm fine and I'm still like that now it's a trait I've carried with me absolutely but I didn't know that anything was wrong so I didn't ever think like why wouldn't I be okay? I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no need to talk about it. Yeah. Like, it's just normal. Yeah. I'm not um, hiding anything. Like, no. It's normal. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, that progressed throughout our childhood. Um, and more or less, to give some context of how bad it got, uh, we both uh, were in a car one day. There's a couple scenarios I'll give to give the extent of the violence. There's no need for me to go too far into what it always looks like. But, to basically paint a picture, I don't know how any of us are still alive right now. Mm. There was a day where we were put into a car, nearly driven into a dam. 
there was days, uh, one day I saw, I watched my mum be held over the top of a gas cooktop um, in the kitchen. So he had her neck and had it straight over the cooktop in the kitchen and it was on. And I was like, that's just something I'll never ever yeah. get out of my head. And what this was like screaming, yelling. Oh, screaming, squealing, mm-hmm. crying. Like I had no extra breath in my body to give. Mm-hmm. Like in all of these scenarios, I was always kicking and screaming. Like I have never, I don't I think I like, I don't even know how I had a spare breath to be honest like I would scream so hard that it hurt my chest I started doing a um there's a really good book for anybody who um it helps it's yeah. called healing through words mm-hmm. um and it's basically a journal and somebody bought it for me mm-hmm. after they actually listened to my podcast and knew what I went through somebody actually bought it for me and was like I thought of you um and it is such a good book um it's basically all journaling and it basically tries to re-trigger your trauma Mm. Um, which is, it was very difficult for me. It took me a month before I could even open the front page. Um, but I did the very first activity and it brought me to tears. I was absolutely bawling. And it was purely because it brought up like how it felt in like physically in my chest to be crying and be screaming and trying to get someone to stop when you literally couldn't and you could mm. not get an extra ounce of anything out of your body. Your heart is literally like broken in half. Like it feels like it's shattered. You feel like nothing and, like, you're squealing and squealing and squealing. You, you just don't even have an extra glass of air. Mm. And do you, do you, have you had any experiences, say, in the past year or so where that feeling has been re-triggered? Like, do you feel like it's stored trauma? Like, it's there, it's a response you have to anything or? Um, I don't think so. Not to that extent. Yeah. Um, I absolutely do get re-triggered by things and I get re-triggered on really random occasions. Mm. Like I, I've never been re-triggered by something that I'm like, oh yeah, fair enough. I get yeah. triggered and I'm like, why the fuck sense. am I upset? Mm. Like, why am I upset? Like, what do I, why do I feel like this? Like what's going on? And it takes me about two days to figure out why I was feeling that way and what was going on. I feel like it's that's a case where it's like your body remembers. Yeah. But then when you try to put the pieces and make logical sense of it, it just like what the fuck. Yeah, I, I genuinely think I have a lot of mental blocks. Mm. I've used mental blocks as my coping mechanism growing up as a child, and now my like I'm used to it, and mm. I keep mentally blocking everything, mm. and it's really really hard for me to re-trigger that. And I'm currently not in any therapy, so there's no part of me that wants to go home and try and re-trigger that. Mm. So I don't. Um, so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're going to fucking go home. Even, you know, when you want to really cry. Yeah, you're, you're like, like I'm really fucking good. living my best life. I'm living like, my best life. I'm not going to go home and be like, I might go home and re-trigger myself tonight. Like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. And when I have tried, like, in this journal, it's a really good example. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. I need to do this. It just fucks me up for, like, two days. And I'm like, whoa, not doing that again for another two months. Yeah, yeah. So, yes and no. Um, and I, I'm very resilient now mm. due to my past. So yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> my sister, no, you're fine. My sister's been thrown down like double story staircases, like the whole kit and caboodle. Like you honestly, you name it, it's happened. Um, my mum has a leg condition and like it became a permanent disability for her, um, due to abuse, like all sorts, um, literally whatever you can picture, it's, it's happened. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's been everything growing up and that was totally normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, like, little things, this is very narcissistic, so this is an example, like, little things like my sister would have an iPod, right? 
you know how you had like an iPod touch or whatever? Yeah. As a kid. And you know how some like some parents will ban your iPod off you or whatever yeah. if you're being real shit. No worries. <laughs> he would like take it and just smash it to pieces in front of her. Like, you know, to yeah. and to a child mm-hmm. where that's your favourite thing in the whole world and like you like, you know, he'd got to the point where he'd given her the permission that she deserved that and she got to have it. And then you just take it away and like lit- quite literally shatter it to pieces in front of you with that. I'm like, mm-hmm. like what? Yeah. What? Little things like that I think are so triggering. Yeah. So, yeah, like just everything you can name happened. Was like being the narcissistic, manipulative person that he was, mm-hmm. would he hide that behavior from your mum? Like, would no. he do that? Yes. Yes. Mum actually copped the brunt of it. Okay. So it was more so towards mum. And then if he was punishing um, us kids or trying or hurting us kids, Mm -hmm. it more or less was even a reaction. It was to get her reaction. It may have been because she did something that upset him or it might have been because of us. But if it was mum, he would Mm -hmm. hurt us in front of Mm mum because that triggered her even more than her getting hurt herself. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I'd be curious off the back of that as well because, like, you know, at the start when you were explaining narcissistic tendencies and stuff and, and they really care about how they look and behind mm-hmm. the scenes is totally different. So mm-hmm. how did it look like if – did you ever have, like, family events or, like, you know, did you ever have, like, his friends come over yeah. and it's just – you're like, who the fuck is this person? Like, that's not my dad or do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, so nobody knew anything. Mm. Um. So, very long story, but um, basically, my dad's side of the family can carry a lot of the same traits. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that they're like him. Mm-hmm. However, I would say they would carry a lot of the same traits. So, and he's obviously so manipulative and he's so good at being manipulative that whatever he said goes, mm-hmm. they believed him, regardless of what myself or my mum or my sister would say. Um, so later in life, when I got to like my teenage years, I went to my family and I tried to tell them multiple times, um, basically what had happened. And I got disowned from the family pretty mm-hmm. much. I had his parents tell me that like, I wasn't welcome to be a part of the family anymore. I tried to invite them to like my Deb and stuff. And I basically got told that due to what I had done, um, being the fact that I took a intervention order out, um, mm-hmm. I'd broken up the family and I actually wasn't welcome part of the family anymore. Um, which... Does that still stand today? Yeah. 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 I'll go into how I got to that. Um, But yeah, so the family didn't believe me or my mum or any of us or anything we really had to say. It actually got to the point where, um, so my mum and dad got, uh, moving forward, Mm -hmm. my mum and dad then got divorced when I was in like grade six, year seven, and they were going through a divorce. It was very, very challenging and being, him being so manipulative, so narcissistic, um, he was like living down the road. It was just a fucking and I was split between the two and because you know I'm still a child like I don't know what the fuck's going on um I still barely even knew that this was wrong Mm. to be happening um so then my dad would fill my head with stories about mum which were just a heap of shit how old were you when they divorced sorry I was in grade six year seven so I was 11 12 yeah um so I was still being told stories about like mum cheating and like these things you shouldn't be filling your kid's head with I was being told all these random stories and stuff to try and like make my mum look bad and then my mum was trying to tell like try and highlight to me the truth and then that would make dad look bad and then like I was just torn between the two so I was living between both of them being torn between the two knowing that dad wasn't right but then he gave me everything 
in terms of like money, materialistic things, mm. all that, which I didn't, I, I've never had a strong care for, but like, it's also like he, he gave those things. Mum gave love. Like it was sort of like you do both. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I went through that and then it got to a point where I kind of got a little bit older. I got to like 13 or so was moving through high school and actually realized what was going on was fucked and it was not right. And then I kind of like, obviously with mum's guidance mm. was made very aware of what was going on um, and all that sort of thing. So then from there, um, I sort of played the game. If anyone's listened to my podcast or goes back and listens to my podcast, I do talk about like the game I used to play a little bit. So when you've got to be very careful when you're working with a narcissist or when you're dealing with a narcissist because they play games. They play games backwards and forwards to try and manipulate you, get the best out of you, blackmail you, whatever that is. So basically I learned from a young age how to play the game right back and exactly what they're looking for. Mm. So um, then I learned how to Fuck sort of yeah. like yeah. So then I sort of learned how to play the game back mm. and like give him a little bit of what he wants without actually taking anything away from myself. If that makes sense. Um, so then I did that for a little while to keep the peace between myself. Mm. Yeah, between myself and the family till mm. I got basically what I wanted. So then um, moving through high school was fucking shit. It was hard, and because I went to high school and I was I was embarrassed by my like home life so I didn't really talk about it or go into it unless someone was close to me Mm. um and little did I know all my friends at the time like it it started to get to a point where like word spread around town and people's parents I'm from a very small town so people's parents kind of started to hear like gossips and stuff like that about what had been going on even though it had been like 10 years but no one ever really knew of it Mm. because of the divorce and stuff like that people started talking um and Mind you, in this very small town, he's a very wealthy person and a very well-known person. Owns his own small business. And would you say, like, well-respected as well, or...? Um, I don't know if he was well-respected um, back then. I know it went down the drain very quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was respected by a lot of people. Okay. Um, but he was very well-known and no, no one really knew of mm-hmm. any negative side to him. Other than that they might have had conflict with him at work or, like, not got on with him. But nobody had any... I think it can be so easy for people to see success and just think they're a good person. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like they've done well for themselves. Yeah, and my mum was also in the business as well. Mm -hmm. And my mum is an amazing human and I think that she held that together and that's why they had such such a successful business. Um, So then when she stepped out of that, it became very apparent what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so then coming forward, going through high school was fucking shit because I just, like, I was just like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it truly just, like, the abuse just stayed and it got worse. And it honestly just became more mentally controlling rather than physically as we grew up. And as the divorce was going on, he was so scared about his reputation and what um, he was going to be perceived as by everybody else. Mm. So it was just more or less, yeah, it became a mental control more than physical. Um, And then it became very financially controlling between mum and all those sorts of things. A lot of normal divorce (laughs) problems. Um, and then, um, yeah. And at the time my friends and stuff, so their parents that I had people who weren't even allowed to be friends with me, um, or that weren't allowed to come to my house and that weren't Mm. allowed to, but I didn't know this at the time. Yeah. I know this now as an adult, but I didn't know this at the time. So I had people like literally that weren't allowed to be friends with me because they knew who my dad was. And I was like, why are you friends with me? Yeah. Mm, Well, imagine if they had come over for a sleepover. They would never, their parents would never have let, Mm. let them. 
And unfortunately, I do have a friend who I do move up here with. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a very good friend of mine in primary school as well. And unfortunately for her, she actually spent a lot of time at our house and had a lot of sleepovers and stuff. And she, to be honest, saw not not a lot, mm. but enough to mm. make a child feel very uncomfortable yeah. and be very scared. Um, mm. And I'm, yeah, feel for her parents who knew that mm. because that's really scary. Mm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, and then and then coming into high school, I went for an intervention order because basically um, my mum's side of the family had highlighted to me like what this actually looked like from the outside point of view and what actually needed to happen going forward. Okay, quick little shameless plug from yours truly. If you are enjoying the podcast and you want to see us grow, please subscribe, follow, like, share, rate, review. We would love, love, love to connect with you. You can find us at the Miles Ahead Podcast across all main platforms or www.themilesahead.com where you can purchase a hood. Now, let's get back to the juice. So then I went through high school. I quite literally from years about 9 to 12. Sorry, Thursday at back in my hometown is family court or like a children's court on a Thursday. I spent nearly every single Thursday um, in court. Mm. It was fucked. And people would be like, why are you leaving school? Mm. Just got to go to court, BRB. <laughs> As a fucking child. Like, what is that? Oh. Um, so anyway. Uh, were you scared? Like, what was – can uh, you sort of think about what that – like, how that felt for you when you were there? Or was it just kind of like survival energy, like I'm doing this because I have to? Or – both. When I very first started um, the process of like an intervention order and going to the police about what had happened and all that, it was very, very scary. Mm. Like when, like for anybody who hasn't been through that process, God bless, I hope you haven't, or, you know, had to do a, what's it called when you give a, oh, give a statement? Oh, yeah. Give statements to the police. Is that it? No. no. But when you give statements to the police, you get put in a little fucking room that's just... Yeah, right. It's the most interrogating thing. It's like a victim statement. Like a victim statement, Mm yeah. Um, And they're typing everything out on a piece of paper word for word and they'll tell you if you say something wrong and, like, all sorts. You literally feel like you're the one... You've done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. So that was scary as a Mm. child, going in and doing them every week and, like all sorts of statements and stuff. Mm. And then court itself, I was scared of it at the start um, and then I quite literally became used to the courthouse. Yeah. Like it got to the point where the security guards there would like know me and they'd be like, hey, Chloe, how's school? Like, like they knew me and yeah, yeah. would like make sure I was comfortable yeah. and stuff because they saw me the first few times I was there and I was on a fucking train wreck. Yeah. And of thankfully course. I always had my mum there with me. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's still intimidating. And when, you know, this is something that, without being egotistical, Mm. but when you're quite a well-known family Mm. as well, you kind of hold a certain level of, um, I don't know the word, a certain level of, like, like, knownness, known. Status? Status, yeah. Did you say? You kind of hold a status. And even though I was a child, I still had that mm. status. And everybody and knew And wanting we to were. protect that as well, do you think? Or? No, not wanting to protect that, but felt like I was somebody who I wasn't. 
because people had our lives so glamorized mm. and then they see you sitting at the front of a courthouse for half a day and they're like what the fuck you know it, it was that kind of thing and it was like it just felt weird and at the same time we're also very well known and myself and my mum were very well respected mm. and so people walk past us and are like hi how are you and you're like I'm really good thanks. I'm fucked. I'm really good thanks. I'm just going to fuck my dad in court season. Oh, sorry. Is that my name being called over the loudspeaker in the middle of town? Fuck. Yep, that's me. You know what I mean? Like one of those sorts of things. So that was was honestly really hard. And my mum and I were absolutely well and truly failed by the fucking system Mm. for probably, I would like to say, seven, eight years. Mm. So firstly, going through this process, nobody believed us. Nobody believed us. I feel like from what I know, like, my mum has a bit of experience with her ex-partner now, Mm -hmm. similar sort of thing, and and their two kids. Mm -hmm. And from what I know, it's like, it's kind of a he said, she said, where it's like, like, because when you're going through it, you're not going, oh, I've got a bruise, I'll take photo, you know, and and shit like that. Like, you're not thinking you're going to have to one day testify. No. So it's like it's very much, and you've also got someone who's a fucking asshole willing yeah. to beat the shit out of you if you do do anything about it. Yeah, sorry, yeah, and you're terrified. You yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like it's very much it's hard to prove mm-hmm. by the very sounds hard. of it. Yeah. yeah, very very difficult to prove. Mm-hmm. So basically, mum and I started with no one believing us, mm-hmm. and then we were in a fucking small town, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, but the whole fucking police station's corrupt. Both of them that we went to so corrupt mm. like it was actually sick what some of the things some of the things that mm. happened to us that should never have happened was would makes me feel sick and it makes me feel sick for anyone else that i know mm. has had to deal with that mm. police station or either of those police stations we had we got to a point where something so awful happened which set us back so far and put our lives so so close to danger it wasn't mm. funny um that a police officer did end up being moved on yeah um we worked with child protection and even child protection statements and that couldn't hold, hold us in court. Like, absolutely nothing. Yeah, right. Um, Do you want to go into that? or? Um, basically, I'd gone for an intervention order and intervention orders are really, for some people, are really easy to get. Mm. But for some reason, for people who actually need them, are really hard to get. I feel like someone can call rape or call abuse once off to a random partner as a teenager and they're given an intervention order for five years mm. and then someone who needs it can just have it thrown out of court. Yeah. Um, so basically we had most of our court hearings thrown out with all sorts of statements about past life, what was currently happening, um, and they kept getting thrown out of court, passed on, dismissed, or nothing would come of it. Um, we had lawyers that looked after us and then lawyers that stabbed us in the back and went to our dad. Yeah. And then so then stood up for him in court. Like it was mm. crazy. Um and um we had like paperwork purposely go missing from different courthouses, you know, all sorts. So truly failed by the system to the point where it got um where so basically the scenario was we got told this story. I don't know how true it is, but my dad dug us a Apparently, this is how next level we went to. So I cried the first time I heard this. I, and anyone listening, go listen to this episode that Chloe posted on her podcast. But like, 
I listened to it three times and I cried, I reckon, the first two or three times. Yeah. So he did all sorts of shit like this. Like, this is literally surface level for mum and I. Yeah. Like, oh, for fuck's sake, something else. Yeah, yeah. But it got to the point where, like, yeah, okay, your dad's dug you a grave. He's then got a location for it. And, like, he's then got all sorts. And, like, this gets put in your head, and this doesn't get put in your head by him because at this point we've moved on from him. Mm, so it's put in your head by other people. people. It's been told, you know. And, like, this is the level that of, like, danger we're in. We have people breaking into our house. We have people coming into our house at night. We have people, like, all sorts of shit. Like, don't know how yeah. we made it out alive, to be honest. Like, all sorts of shit. Mm. And then, like, things just get thrown out of court and you're just like, oh, yeah, no worries. We had um, intervention orders. So then when, when we did finally get one, it was then, like, six months. And then you have to apply for another one. And then it's thrown out of court for six months and there's nothing in place. And then there's another one. And meanwhile, like months. all of the, even though you've moved on, like it's still happening. Oh yeah, fucking oath, it's still happening. And mind you, he's got two extra girlfriends on the go who it's both happening to as well. And you know what they're going through. They've both got little children. Like you know exactly what's going on there as well. And the thing is, with you know family violence and stuff. Yeah, we came out of it. It took a really long time. And, yeah, he's got new girlfriends now mm. and all gone through other relationships with small children that we know all sorts that have happened there, whether it's sexual assault. There's been a lot of sexual mm. assault reported. I was going to ask about sexual um, assault. Was that not, ever the case for you guys? Or I didn't suffer any sexual assault, mm. to my memory. Yeah. Um, I'm unaware on my sister. Mm. Um, my mum, not necessarily sexual assault, but a lot of violence. Um, and I am quite aware of a lot of other sexual assault between children and other females. Mm. Um, however, that's not something that like, I obviously yeah. want to talk about, yeah. but it is there. Um, and yeah, so anyway, all of this <laughs> is going on and then you're going for intervention orders that are getting thrown out of court because they think that this man's like totally fine and like is a great father and there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to see him. You've got a family who's then disowned you because you're in court testifying against them. Um, and then uh, in the end, it took us quite literally, I reckon, like seven years of court, um, been through a couple of intervention orders, and one day we got a magistrate that wasn't local, which is this show's fucking small town things. Mm. One day we got a magistrate that wasn't local, and this was a massive, massive court hearing. So this was, like, the biggest one I'd ever done. So in terms of... Was this public, like, or, or private? Like, do people from the town, I don't really know, but, like, are there strangers in the courtroom or... There can be. Yeah. But there's usually not because, okay. I mean, it's a small town. No one really needs to see See, I was taking it the opposite way where I'm, like, small town, like, it's the biggest news in the town. Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> in terms of the courthouse, they're pretty yeah. good. Like, there's okay. security in that out yeah. the front. Like, you kind of have to be welcomed into it. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, I'm cramping my leg. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's still very public. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, and then I had my big court hearing. This, like, was the scariest fucking day of my life. Um, but, basically, when you're a child, they, will, they do everything in their power to keep children out of the courtroom mm. so that they, you know, you're not in the courtroom. Um, but there was one day I had to be in the courtroom, like, to testify, to stand up against lawyers, to, you know, and I think I was, like, 16, 
16, I think, maybe 17. Um, and I got moved into another, like, basically, like, a, it's like a private room in the courthouse. So I'm still in the courthouse, but I'm in a room at the back and then being Skyped into the courtroom so I don't actually yeah, yeah. physically have to stand there next to my dad. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard because, about yeah like, they're quite good in yeah. that sense with children. Um, so I was in there and I got – I basically just had to get grilled by his lawyer for mm. like however long and I was hysterical. I couldn't have mum. I couldn't have anyone in there with me. Mm. And um, I was like fucking hysterical. Like I'm mid, mid-court bawling my eyes out, like could not breathe. Mm. His lawyer was absolutely drilling me like – uh, and I spoke so wholeheartedly, so truthfully, barely gave fuck all evidence because I could barely get it out. Mm. And I didn't even have the capacity at the time, being so stressed, to, like, bring up any big events or anything that really I even needed to. I just kind of answered the questions because mm. I couldn't – I didn't have the capacity to go for any more. And, like, the questions by his lawyer, so they would have been, like – Oh, interrogating and manipulated as all shit too. Yeah. Like, they're not even – like, it's trying to trigger an answer out of me, but I was smart. Lucky I was a smart girl. I, I knew exactly what was coming for me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it got to the point where, like, in court, I was hysterical, couldn't breathe. The magistrate had asked the lawyer to stop speaking. He continuously, like, went at me. Mm-hmm. My dad just stood there with his arms crossed, like, stood in the courtroom, arms crossed. Not a single word, not, like, Hey, give her a break. The magistrate has asked him to stop. He didn't stop. My dad literally nudged him on the arm and they just kept going and going and going. And the magistrate, like, full called it, like, had to call, like, fucking stop. Yeah, wow. And I was like, if anything, I think that just shows the court that my dad doesn't give a single fuck. Yeah. Like, your daughter's in there about to have a fucking bank attack. She can't get that out of that room until we call it. Yeah. And you're going to let her nearly stop breathing. Literally. And you just... Just telling you, Lord, yeah. I'm like what? Literally. Yeah. So that was my big court hearing, and that was fucked up. We ended up having a break, and then I had to go back in later and keep going and whatever. And it was a huge day, but we had a magistrate from out of town, and we were granted a intervention order for life. So I have quite literally an intervention order that lasts the rest of my days, um, which That's is really amazing. exciting. <laughs> However, it doesn't actually mean anything. Do you know what I mean? He, he doesn't follow it, or he. Oh, I mean, he doesn't live here it. now, but yeah. he doesn't respect it. When I was at home, he still just breached it all the time. Yeah. And no matter how many breaches or whatever, like he should have had, you know, real estate license taken off him. He should have probably mm. been in prison multiple times. Um, like the most time he ever did was like he spent nights mm. while they held him before court. And that mm. was about it. Like, What's the difference between yeah. a intervention order and a restraining order? Pretty much the same thing. Okay. Um, basically, my intervention order means that he can't come within three metres of my person, mm-hmm. 50 or 100 metres of, like, my workplace, my school, or where I live. Yeah. Which really isn't much. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's about it. It's that he can't contact me or anything like that, but it doesn't stop anyone. You know, and it's not very heavily regulated and I've had massive breaches and I've reported them and tried to charge him. And the most I ever, ever got, I had a f- complete stalking charge, um, fully test, test, testified, testified, fully <laughs> testified, multiple statements, all the proof, all the evidence that they needed, whatever, whatever. And um, it was like, yeah, so a full stalking charge where he'd been stalking me on like via my phone. 
and was coming to my school, was coming to my home, everything. Um, and the word, he got 10 hours of community service. Fuck. Like, are you taking the piss? Yeah. Wow. Like, I think that's the heaviest charge you've ever had. Like, it's actually crazy. Like, sorry, but, like, no, like, attempted murder. No, like, rape. No, not none of the things he's actually done. But, like, you know, when he's, like, he's just also, got 10 hours like, of This is a bit random, but I actually don't see community service as, like, punishment. It's not even bad. It's fucking therapy. Bro, I'd probably pick up rubbish <laughs> for 10 hours and, like, yeah. be banned from my phone. I probably need it. Yeah, literally. Like, literally. But a person like that would have seen it that way. So. Yeah. He was given a men's behavioural change program. Mm. Um thing and he fortunately knew the female that actually ran it so he went into the first class got her to sign 12 weeks worth of paperwork and walked out and never had to go to it like it was just shit like like um yeah and then after that I've pretty much just I guess I left school I completely cut off that side of my family Mm -hmm. um I did all sorts of like businesses and working, um, studying and like went into a whole heap of jobs and stuff. And then I moved up here 18 months ago mm-hmm. by myself Same. and just fucking, <laughs> yeah, literally. And then just quit everything. I was like, yeah. fuck you guys, I hate my life. Um, and <laughs> the saddest part of it all mm. is that I now don't have a relationship with my sister right. because when my so when my mum and dad split uh my sister became viral in the nicest kindest way possible she took on a lot of my dad's traits and Mm. basically then mum and I were abused by her which was very embarrassing for mum not that it should be but it was very embarrassing Yeah, for because mom. she probably spent her whole life trying to avoid... Protect her. Yeah, protect yeah. her and, like, you know, raise her to be somewhat normal with everything going on. Yeah. And it would have just felt like all that, I don't want to say hard work, but, like, you know... Oh, got thrown in her face. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. She, like, yeah, it quite literally got thrown back in her face and had no care for it. And she felt like she always had wanted to help her and give her everything and then... She felt like she never did anything for her because it didn't turn out the right way. Um, and she, yeah, she would have felt like a failure. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, she did. She still does to this day. That's something that she can't seem to let go of. But it's something that's also out of her control, you know. Mm. Um, like one of the biggest things I've learned is that however you grow up and whatever you're shown, you can change that mm. and you have the ability to – react differently mm-hmm. um but whether people choose to do that or not is up to them you know and unfortunately my sister held a lot of my dad's traits became mm-hmm. very abusive and she's still like that to this day um hence why I left so now I don't re- like love her and I will always be there for her if mm-hmm. need be because I do have a soft spot for her due to what we have gone through however I I don't want anybody in my life who can treat me like that and I went through long enough trying to protect her and trying to save her, you know, like through suicide attempts, through trying to fucking kill mum, all sorts, still supported. And then, you know, it's still thrown back in our face when you're held by a knife, like type of scenario. It just, it just doesn't even out. And she's always, 
um, unfortunately used people, mm. taken um, a lot of money from myself and my mum. You know, we used to wake up every single day, the house is trashed, everything's smashed. The front door was forever, like, shattered because it had been punched. And, you know, my mum's car was always stolen, like, all sorts. And mm. I just don't want anyone in my life, regardless whether they're family or not, you know, close to me. So, yeah. fortunately, that's a distance that I now have as well mm. um, because she, yeah, became... Wow. I didn't know that part. Yeah. I didn't that's know that. Honestly, and... probably the hardest part of yeah. my journey was the fact that that's how my sister came out. Um, because as mum and I created like a force between us, we were super solid and always fighting for each other. Um, we were also both fighting her always. Mm. And, you know, there was drug addictions, suicide attempts, like stolen everything, smashed everything. And took everything from us financially that like we felt like we had no legs to stand on but each other mm. but we were always being you know fought with yeah. and while we were trying to fight for our past we also had a current situation that's that what I was going to say like you probably didn't get a break there was never a break the break I got was the day that I moved and I parked my car and I drove out that driveway and I was like I'm not living like this anymore I got goosebumps. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's because I, like, yeah, I yeah. fully fucking relate to yeah. all of this. I can, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think my, you know, whole story, it's just, like, yes, it's crap and, like, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that you can literally come from anything mm-hmm. and be anything. Like, nothing is going to stop you. Nothing is going to hold you back. And, you know, you can create exactly what you want, but you also have to step away from it. Like, if I... If I never drew the line and just was like, fuck, I'm always going to be saving my mom and saving my sister, I would never have what I have now. Yeah, absolutely, because you'd be so stuck in that and, mm-hmm. like, the past and, and trying to navigate that. And yeah. there's a saying, you probably heard it, where it's like you can't heal in the same environment that yeah. you got stuck in. And I could not agree with it anymore. Like, yeah, you have to remove yourself and you have to draw those boundaries if you don't draw those boundaries, you honestly can't grow. And it's unfortunate. Like, unfortunately for me, it's something I can't turn off. Like, that yeah. that protectiveness and that, like, always looking after somebody else. And there's a lot of, like, mental health issues that I went through. I'd like to th- say that I'm a lot better now. Like, but that's not to say that there's things I don't struggle with. Like, no. there's so many things. And I think this goes for anybody, regardless of what what past you've had even if you had a really really amazing childhood there's always things that are going to come up for you and yeah. there are reasons that you struggle now like literally i was i um talk about it with my clients in terms of eating like eating is like something that can be so triggering for someone and you don't realize that it's actually all of your past yeah experiences you could yeah. have had the best childhood and now struggle with you know your food or your weight and all those oh, sorts 100%. of things and it can come because you're always forced to finish a meal yeah or it can come because you were always you were never you know given the opportunity to eat n- nutritious foods like yeah it can be all sorts of things you know whether it's trauma or not um, oh well that's the thing it plays with trauma into as well it's big t little t you know like yeah. that trauma is trauma there's mm-hmm. so many you know there's a, such a large scale and yeah. it's like what you said with the food thing like a parent could be like, no, you can't eat. Like, I remember one of my crazy aunties yeah. <laughs> who was like, blue snakes are bad for you. 
yeah. blue, blue lollies, no blue lollies, you know? And Fair like, enough. look, I'm not traumatized by it, but it's but like. But I still have a blue <laughs> But do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like little things like yeah. that. It sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. whether it's big or small, yeah, there's always things that you carry on. Unfortunately, I've carried on a lot. Yeah. Um, I do hide it quite well. And like where I think it comes out most is like my ability to show love to the people that I actually mm. want to show love to. Yeah. It's easy for me to show love to people that I like are mediocre in my life. Mm. But the people that are really, really, really special to me, mm. I really struggle to like to my mum to say I love you. I could I could throw up. Wow. Yeah. It's really hard. Giving my sister a hug is something I could mm. never do. I still can't. We can't do that. So giving my mum a hug, I, I do hug my mum, I force it on myself, but it, it gives me this, like, I nearly feel like I could throw up in my throat, and I hate that, mm. because I don't, it's not that I don't want to show you the love, I, yeah, I yeah. genuinely don't know how to, and then it's played into all sorts of relationships that I've had with, like, other males, mm. I, like, yeah, okay, people can be like, oh, you're fucked up, or, like, oh, you've got issues, Fucking oath, I've we got all issues, do, babe. <laughs> Yeah, don't we at all? Yeah. Fucking oath, I've got we'll issues. Own it. It's but, like... Yeah, yeah, of course. I if do. that's a problem for you, I don't, I don't use the issues as like an excuse. Mm. But if I'm struggling with something, I, I want you to appreciate me talking about it and being mm. open in that communication and with you. And being that like, safe space. Yeah, but I struggle with that now because I can't find anybody who can appreciate that mm. with and like actually that actually has the time mm. for me to appreciate that rather than just being like, oh fuck that, she's she's damaged. Mm. You know, like. If I, like, I would say I have trust issues, right? But that doesn't mean that I can't trust anybody. Yeah. That means that I need someone to be patient with me mm. and provide me the amount of trust that I need. I'm not a needy person. I don't mm. need a lot. Like, we were just talking about this before. Like, I don't. <laughs> dating. Yeah, dating is a fucking disaster. <laughs> like, I don't need a lot. But yeah. there is small things that I need that I just either don't know how to receive or people don't have the time to give it to me. Therefore, it, I fall short in mm. those instances in my life. I want to share a quote with you because Go. I feel like if you haven't heard it or even if you have, like this mm. is a really solid reminder, you are only as needy as your unmet needs. That's really cool. Yeah. I've never heard that. It, it's like the thing of like, you know, you're not too much for the right person. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. There's going to be people that like, they're like, you're needy as fuck. Mm-hmm. But that's because they're not meeting your needs. That's so true. Mm. That's spot on. That literally, I got that from Jesse Williams, who's mm-hmm. one of my past coach and mentors. And honestly, like, that has stuck with me. That's going to stick with me yeah. now. I love that. Yeah. And Do then, you, yeah. Sorry, you no, go. you go. You asking me a question on, on my show? Uh, <laughs> you go, you go. I was going to say, do you think, is there anything that I missed in that storyline? Mm. Um. Because I feel like I have, but... No, I, I think the conversation today has been perfect. What I did want to ask you, and you've kind of, like, alluded to it already, is how your relationship with yourself looks like at the moment, like, coming off yeah. all of this. Okay. Because, personally, with my story, I'm like, I know that over, you know, my healing journey in the mm-hmm. past few years, I've had to hold a lot of space for myself, mm-hmm. and I've had to be really like I felt lonely Mm -hmm. so much over the past few years Mm -hmm. but 
now I've got to a point where I fucking love my own time with yeah. myself. Like, yeah. I'm like, if I don't have some of that yeah. every day, I'm like, like, get away from me. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I want to just, like, hear from you where you're at, what your relationship with yourself looks like. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, like, let's take you saying trust issues, mm-hmm. for example. It's like, at the end of the day, we only trust people as deep as we trust ourselves. Yeah. And that's not to make anything wrong, but it's mm-hmm. like, I just truly believe it, like, so cliche, but it all starts with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would love to go into this because yeah. this is, I think this is, for any, if anybody knows me via, like, social media presence, you know me as a person, this is actually what I pride myself in. Yeah. So, to, to give context, whilst I went through this process as a child and growing into, like, an adult, I had no appreciation for myself Mm. none I was like fuck yeah I'm a powerhouse I'm holding my family together right now and I know that I still do Mm. I I know their needs above your own would you say pardon would you say you were putting them first yeah Yeah. so I know even now I'm still the person that holds my entire family together Mm. I am the piece of string Mm. but Previously, that was all I was. Mm. That was all I knew. And that was the only thing I knew I was good at. Um, I had no appreciation for myself as a human being. I had no appreciation for my body. No appreciation for my mind. I was quite literally in survival for 20 years. Yeah. And, like, when I say survival, I mean quite literally. Like, Mm. I didn't know how to breathe properly. I did not know how to eat properly. I did not know how to exercise i i couldn't even hold friendships i i did hold friendships because looking back i had great friendships through school because mm. i think that i was a good person mm. but i didn't probably give a lot of value well mm. i did not give value to those friendships but i probably didn't well, you were in i probably wasn't actually as present as what everybody thought yeah, that i was i absolutely. think if i if i was physically somewhere I was like only half mentally there. Even if I, everybody else felt like I like that was fine and that I was, I actually wasn't. Yeah. And like you know, at school, like I just, I was never fully present in anything because I was quite literally surviving. Exactly, you were. You know, your priorities were elsewhere. And yeah. I think like I don't know if you can relate to this, but I think over the past couple of years, I've given myself. Oh yeah, how's how we got the time. <laughs> I've given myself like um like I've shamed myself for in the past not being present in friendships and not being there for them and being self-absorbed because of what I was going through where Mm -hmm. I literally didn't have capacity to give yeah it was like I fucking need you guys like I need you know yeah that support yeah so yeah that's how kind of how I felt and Mm -hmm. I just I was just I honestly was nothing and I wasn't able to feel anything because I was in survival mode. Like, so I had no relationship with myself. It was mm-hmm. like my relationship w- with myself was I'm so fucking strong. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. And it was me always trying to hold myself together. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew I was strong because I knew what I was doing was good. And I knew that I was holding everyone together and I was everyone's backbone. And as much as I knew that that was hard for me, I knew that that's the role that I had to play. Mm-hmm. And I did. Yeah. And I played it very well. And I truly did. I feel like I'm the reason that a lot of things worked out for myself and my family. 
Um, but same goes, like I appreciate everybody else that was in the process, but I do feel like I was everybody's backbone. Mm. But then coming out of school, I didn't know how to not be anybody's backbone. Mm. Cause I came out of school and I was like, okay, I'm a bit of an adult now, but I still felt like I was everybody's backbone. Mm. Um, and then it sort of looked like I had to find myself. I was also in like a relationship that was toxic as fuck on both parts. Like I take credit where credit's due and mm. like that was both parts me and him we were both just immature like yeah. we both just were young and just had not like probably was just playing just, out your wounds yeah like, no awareness yeah <laughs> and he triggered my wounds without yeah. me knowing that they were wounds like it was just and then I triggered him because I was reactive and mm. all sorts so then I had no real relationship with myself then because I I just put everything into that because I was always fighting that mm. um we would fight all the time so I was just fighting that so it was just like another not fight that I was in um and then I was working for myself. I had businesses and I studied and like did all sorts. And then I sort of, that ended and I found fitness as like my way of like healing. Uh, I don't know, you go through a breakup and you just get hot. That's just yeah. what happens. So <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. fitness and then fitness is kind of what allowed me to like spend time by myself. Mm. So I then feel like that's, that's where, where I a lot of myself. people's healing journeys start. A hundred percent. And like, you know, everyone who like starts fitness journey, it's a whole self development journey. Yeah. And people think it's like a cult. Like, fuck yeah, all right. If it's cold, I'm in it. I want to be in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sign so me hard. Up. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. I'm in it. Um, yeah. Because it does. It it's not only like you self develop in, you know, physical a physical sense mm. but you do then more things for your physical sense which then calms your mind which then yeah. goes into all sorts of different development and then you start to enjoy it so then you do more for your mind and more for mm. your body to calm down and then it opens up a whole thing so yeah yeah then I started to find a little bit more respect for myself and I was like it came from fuck yeah look what I've just done mm. I like found appreciation for like I took a little step back and found appreciation for who I had been mm. and for what I was and for what I had achieved and what I had done. Yeah. Even though, realistically, I didn't get a high ATAR. I didn't even apply to uni because that wasn't even on the cards for mm. me. I didn't, like, I hadn't done anything other than survive and survive well. Yeah. And I just found appreciation for that. Mm. And then I found a little bit of a love for myself. Then I put time into my fitness journey, which mm. then put time into my food and all sorts. So then that sort of found a healthy yet unhealthy relationship with myself. I started the fitness journey and because I was so used to surviving and fighting, mm. I ended up fighting myself, trying to self-discipline, yeah. which then ended to a whole realm of, unhealthy relationships with food and whatever mm. but I've come out the other side of that as well and I had to go through that to educate myself on that yeah I um, also think like even you know even now like we've been through this whole healing journey but you never stop healing you no never stop growing like no you're always gonna find new things and I was thinking in the car this morning I was mm. like I used to you know be the weird one for loving personal development and self-development yeah. but I'm like now I'm just like I fucking love it Thank so God. much like hit me fucking you know like yeah. just like hurt my ego like do all the yeah. things I'm like I fucking it will love it for me. Please, yeah please it's that it. it's that accomplishment and that um just like seeing yourself change yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So now I've sort of got to a point where, like, I feel like I'm slowly healing. I put all of my time and effort and love into mm. myself. And it just, it truly took so much love and appreciation for who I had been. But then kind of, I kind of had to find direction for what I actually wanted. Mm. I never had a spare moment to think about a future mm. and what a future looked like. That just wasn't even on the cards. It was honestly like, okay, if I'm still here, like, yeah. that's where I was at. I didn't even yeah. think I was going to make it this far, to be totally honest with you. Mm. Like, I thought I would have taken myself out or I thought someone else would have taken me out. Yeah. So that just wasn't really of the cards. Mm. But now that I sort of did get an opportunity to look forward, I was like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And then when I realised I couldn't do it anymore and I left, my biggest journey started. So, like, mm. when I moved from home, I was independent as fuck and I just was like, fuck everyone. I've done this on my own for how long? I'm fucking going to keep doing it on my own and I can do it on my own. And then I sort of fell into the whole, okay, I need a social life. I need friends. And then I learned to love people. Mm. I didn't love anyone. I hated the world. And because I hated the world, I couldn't love anything. Mm. And like, I could not love anything. But once I learned that like there was actually more to life, um, It allowed me to love myself. It allowed me to love other people. And when I let other people in, it actually allowed me to sort of like see a different side of myself that Mm. I didn't have before, like a soft side, Mm. which was – is still really hard. I like. I'm very masculine. (laughs) I know. I'm like, there's no tears yet. No, I know. I won't cry. I won't cry, honestly. Um, But, yeah, once I allowed other people to come in, it kind of made me soft. And then once I found that I actually could be a little bit soft, it allowed Mm. me to – kind of have grace and calmness in mm-hmm. everything else. And, I mean, I'm still a very masculine person and yeah. I'm very um, independent and still very strong and that's what I pride myself in. But, yeah, it does shoot me in the foot sometimes, to be honest, because... It's just going to be, a, you know, a forever thing. A process. Of just integrating mm. your feminine in a really healthy way slow you know you don't need to do it all tomorrow yeah exactly and I've learned that too like it's not Mm. it's okay for it to take time and the more time it takes the more enjoyable the process is yeah like fuck me if I just sat myself in a room and tried to fix myself in a month it would be hell I Mm. it would be absolute hell but because I've done it over such a long period of time now it's been eight eight months since I moved and since I started working on myself and like opening myself up to life and like possibilities, opportunities, mm. putting myself out there, putting myself in different situations, making myself uncomfortable. I've actually loved the journey because yeah. there's so much goodness in the process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Fucking no. Mm. The thing I was just thinking about, as you were saying that like with the journey and there's no need to rush and you know, mm. it's more enjoyable when you don't rush. Like, I don't know if you know this conversation, but like the whole pendulum swing thing in the, the coaching no. industry, it's very much like, don't so do you know what a pendulum swing is so it's basically like you learn this part about yourself and Mm -hmm. and what needs to change Mm -hmm. and then you try to integrate it you put so much pressure on yourself and you go the complete opposite way the pendulum swing and you you do the thing and you try to you know do it tomorrow kind of vibe yeah and there's a whole conversation about how that's bad Mm -hmm. my perspective on it is that like, either way, you're going to integrate the thing. So yeah. you can either take the time, which mm-hmm. is, like, more enjoyable, like yeah. you said. Or, like, you can put all that pressure on yourself. But it's, like, you need time regardless. Yeah. So, like, you can try and, and put all that pressure on yourself. But at the end of the day, like, you'll, a year later, be like, oh, my God, look how much I've grown through that. Thing. Yeah. 
Literally. You know? So Absolutely. I'm kind of like, there's this whole conversation around how it's like bad. Like, oh, don't do that. But it's like, fucking go at whatever pace you want to go at. Like, I agree. And if you do want to go full steam ahead, fucking yeah. congrats. Well done. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm a little bit like that. Um, I'm not an all or nothing mindset, but if I do get myself set on something, I'm fucking devoted to it. Yeah, I um, And I do put a lot of emphasis on one thing, mm-hmm. but that's never helped me. That, mm-hmm. That's never stopped my success. Mm-hmm. But I'm just very cautious of where I put that. Um, and like, like we said at the start, I got my period back this week, guys. Yeah. Haven't had it for nearly a year, <laughs> but, um, I worked with a naturopath for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, all by the end of it, it was purely because I could not stop stressing myself out. Mm-hmm. And I had so much pressure on myself that I, I could not relieve the stress that my body was holding. Therefore I damaged my adrenal glands mm-hmm. and then my adrenal glands aren't working. Boom. You're never going to get your fucking period because your body's too stressed. Yeah. And as soon as I calmed down, that got I came back. Yeah. So keep going. Yeah. What I've learned is that putting that pressure on yourself, if it's good pressure, go for it. But if it's actually putting this stress on your body and putting you into a headspace where you're overwhelmed, it, it truly doesn't benefit me. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. I think like that's honestly, I feel like this is a perfect time to just wrap it up. Like yeah. the conversations that we've had fucking amazing honestly thank you for having me yeah I'm just like I feel a bit speechless like I said this, I reckon I've said this I'll probably say it every single episode you but like, speechless yeah <laughs> I'm just like mind blown like yeah. the stuff that you've been through and the lessons that you have to share mm-hmm. and I want to just finish it out on one final note of and when we kind of said this at the start but if you could share one message and put it on a t-shirt. Oh, fuck. Yeah, pressure's yeah. on. Like, what would it be? Um, it would be... I want. I don't want it to be basic. <laughs> don't um, just drop the ego for a second. Like, whatever comes to mind, trust that. Uh, it would be... You can do anything. Mm, yeah. You can do anything. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That's pretty much my whole everything I've wanted to share. Yeah. In terms of like getting a message across. Yeah. Like you can literally do anything, mm-hmm. be anything, and like whatever you want, you can have it. Yeah. Amazing. And one more thing. Okay. <laughs> I want you to set yourself a challenge. Okay. <laughs> over the next week. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell your mum you love her. Every day? No, just once. Okay, just once. Yeah, just I can once. do that. You can do that. Like on the phone? Like. I mean, you're not seeing her in person. It probably shouldn't message. be a text message. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, no. A okay. voice. A voice message. Yeah. A voice message. <laughs> love you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, deal. <laughs> Thank deal. you so much. That's okay. Thank you for having me. Love you. Love you too. A rich man's and that wraps up another inspiring conversation on the miles ahead podcast whether this is your first time here or you've been here since day one thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart we honestly truly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you please subscribe follow like share rate review whatever whatever tickles your pickle we would love to hear from you and if you want to purchase a hoodie you can do so on www.themilesahead.com we are also on instagram 
the Miles Ahead podcast. Thank you so much and we will chat soon. Thank you.